Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. It's great to Again, see you guys here. We are now let's finishing up our series. This is, this is why we do it. We have been exploring worship and why we sing songs within church, but not just why we sing songs within church, why, why, you know, why we should have personal times of worship as well. We're talking about the power of corporate worship whenever we come together and sing songs, but also the power of personal worship in your own time. And just to recap quickly, the first week I talked to you about how worship is more than just a time, a place, or songs that we sing in service. Worship is literally what you do because you're made in God's image. Like, you can't not worship because of the God's image who you are created in. The second week I talk, I talked to you how worship, corporate worship and personal worship is a response to not to not how you feel that day or what good has happened that week. We respond in worship because of who God is and what God has done. And last week I talked to you, I got practical and what I said was is worship makes your life better. But today I, I want to talk to you from the subject title worship is a weapon. You know that's a spiritual title right, right, right there. Worship is a weapon. And some of y'all are like, John, that, that's kind of harsh. Like, we're talking about worship. I just thought like a sword. Nothing like that. No, no, no. But honestly, hear, hear me out here. Because I think if we're candid and honest, right, doesn't a lot of your life feel like a fight? Can y'all talk back to me today? Y'all are, I know y'all the 9 a.m. crowd. Y'all can talk back. Where a lot of your life feels like a fight. I mean, honestly, it feels like you're fighting yourself. You're fighting your boss. You're fighting your customers. You're fighting your kids. You're fighting your spouse. You, you, you know what I mean? You're fighting your habits. You're fighting your past. Just a lot of life, if we are honest, many of you feel like and the many of you wives, so many of you feel worn down. You feel disoriented. You, you feel like tired. Like it's because a lot of your life is a fight. And this should not surprise you as a follower of Jesus. One of the things that Paul actually said that, that described the life of someone that follows Jesus and has the Spirit of God in them is that when he was instructing Christians, he, he, he actually said, said this here. He said, hey, just, just remember, like, we are not fighting against just flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the, what? Unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So what he's saying is, is that a lot of the problems you think are practical are actually spiritual. A lot of the people, habits, practices that you fight even within yourself, you think are just a physical, something handed down to you, a gene that, that you have, and, and all that stuff's possible. But at the same time, a lot of the root of it is spiritual. And what he's saying is, is just to like, you've got to remember that you are fighting, and because you are fighting in a fight, you've got to bring the right weapons. 
And yes, prayer is important, scripture is important, but one of the tools that I think we miss out on sometimes as followers of Jesus is this tool and weapon that we have of worship, of taking your focus and taking your attention, your energy, your perspective, and keep and getting it off from what's going on seen and what's going on here and getting it on the God that is what? Unseen that has strength and that has power. And so today I just, I wanna prayerfully put a tool in your hand. We talked about worship, you know, it's practical, it makes life better, worship is, is a response, worship is who you are, it's what you do. I wanna put a tool in your hand that honestly, when you come on Sundays, this is a tool for you to encounter God. The word of God is a tool for you to encounter him. The two tools we have on Sundays to help shape and form your mind and heart and spirit to know who God is more is the worship time we have and the word time we're having right now. So can we, before we dive into God's word today, can we say a corporate prayer together? Would you stand up with me? And we're just going to pray this prayer, getting your exercise in at Lifehouse. Sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up. We're part Catholic. I'm just kidding. Just, 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 it, you know. Just kidding. We got some Catholic practices, right? You know, we stand up and sit down. But honestly, lift up hands just, a, just before we dive into God's word today. We're going to say this prayer corporately together. I'm going to start off. And would you join in with me today to get our hearts, minds, and spirits ready to receive, God, to receive God's word today? Ready? Spirit of God, open my eye. My, my, sorry. Let's start over. I, I can't read, apparently. Still waking up. Lord, we need a mulligan. All right, let's, sorry. The person leading the prayer, when they mess it up, you just got to stop because all of y'all know you can't focus beyond that. Okay, let's, just, let's try it one more time. All right, ready? One, two, three, go. Spirit of God, open my ears to hear, my eyes to see, my mind to understand, and my heart to discern what you want to speak to me today. You have my full attention Amen. You can be seated. Ready to hear God's word today? Say, I am. Okay, so the weapon of worship. We're going to focus today on, on, on a portion of scripture, Acts chapter 16. Acts is a book in, in the Bible that is a written recorded history of the church in its beginning form. And it was written by, it was written by the historian Luke who went back and God documented accounts, eyewitness accounts of the process of the church and what it was going through in its very earliest form. And that's what I love about scripture. It wasn't just like God came down and just said, come in private, let me talk to you. The Bible was actually written by human people that that went out and like eyewitness reporters went out and said, I want to document what actually happened. And so they went and recorded and documented, and that's where we get the book of Acts in the Bible. And really, it's, it's, um, Acts is actually shortened. It's actually called Acts of the Apostles, where it documents the apostles' work in the very early church. And there's this one particular portion of Scripture, Acts chapter 16, where we find Paul. How many of you know Paul? Paul had this, Paul killed Christians. So he was a Christian killer, was going to kill Christians and had a supernatural encounter with Jesus. He changed the course of his life, and instead of going and killing Christians, he wanted to make people Christians. 
So he had experienced a life change, and as he was experiencing this life change, he then went and went on, like, like Paul was like, my whole life now, the whole purpose of it is so, is so somebody else can experience what I have experienced. So he spent his whole life, and, and what he did, and what is actually documented in this book here is two missionary journeys that Paul took, so, uh, and, and basically, like, this is what happened through the life of Paul as he went on these various missionary journeys. Paul had this kind of, like, pattern. He would, go into, to, he would go into a godless city. He would preach the gospel. People would be drawn to it because they'd see signs and wonders happening. It said even so much so, so that like they would come and people would be healed. And, and then it would stir up trouble, righteous trouble. Because then you had these religious leaders ticked off. How are they getting crowds? The crowds are causing, are causing governmental issues. So Paul went in and just ticked everyone off. But he was just trying to love, he was just trying to love people and spread the gospel. So he kind of go in, he'd preach the gospel, do his thing, and then he would plant churches, establish leaders, and then write letters to these churches once they were planted. And that's where we get a lot of our books in the New Testament. But the thing is this, right? Paul, he found himself at this one point, at this one place, where he was on his second missionary journey with a sidekick named Silas. And while they're actually on this journey, we're going to actually pick up Acts chapter 16. We're going to kind of follow this story today and put the tool in your hand and and tell you how worship is a weapon. We're going to start in verse number 16. This is what it says. It says, one day as we, and that's we as Paul and Silas, were going down to the place of prayer. So they just go into a prayer meeting. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul, this is funny, and the rest of us shouting, these men, oh, sorry, this is just the way that I hear it, are servants of the most high God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. And the worship team walks in like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> Context matters. Amen. Amen. Okay. No. But so, so this, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, and that could also mean this, annoyed, that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus, took him out of her, and it instantly left her. Now, this is not in this sermon, but this is a question that just from reading this, I want to pose to you today. What in your life have you tolerated instead of casting it out? It was annoying him for three days, and he had the power to cast it out, but he let it annoy him, but it got to the point he was so annoyed. Maybe he was being nice. Maybe he's like, I'm Paul. I can't be like that in front of everybody. Maybe, you know, I, you know, I mean, who knows, but he let it happen so much that instead of taking the power he had and casting it out, he tolerated, and he got to the point where he finally got to the point, I can't take it no more, get out. And my question to you is, what have you tolerated to be around you that you just need to finally get over it and cast it out? I believe some of you, you've got habits you have tolerated, and they're killing you that you know you have the power to get rid of, and you need to cast it out. That might be practical. That might be spiritual. Some of you, you got some people in your life that you love, but you've tolerated, and you are at the point now where you have to say, 
for my betterment and for walking with Christ. I love you, but we can't be friends and me keep my eyes on Jesus if we keep going out every Saturday night. If you call me, let's go get a drink and it turns out bad. I need to, I, I gotta cut it. That was free of charge. Let's keep on, let's keep on reading. So here's the thing, now her, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So do you see what happens here? He cast this devil out. The way of this guy making cash has left. Then it says, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them. So this dude messing with money. Paul and Silas, let's go. So they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us. So now they're saying they're breaking the law. Next. Then it said, a mob quickly formed. Isn't it crazy how quickly mobs can form when, when you mess with money? Anyways, just, just saying. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did, that, that, that they did not escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon. So not even the good prison. Not even three meals a day in and what should we call it, N- Nintendos. Like this is the inner dungeon. This is it clamped their feet in the stocks. Let's pause right here because I think whenever you really look at this story, I think you can actually see something here of, go ahead and put this slide up. Almost when you confront the spiritual powers of darkness, don't be surprised if your physical life circumstances take a turn for the worse. I mean, just imagine them. They're, they're like, we were going to pray. And we casted a devil out. And how do we get repaid? Beaten with rods, accused we broke the law, and prison. Me and God be having a combo. I'm just trying, I just wanted to pray. There was some girl enslaved to a demon. I cast it out. I'm telling you, some, some of y'all have experienced this because you have experienced, you started to follow Jesus and your life practically got worse. Outwardly got worse. And you, were, you had this, God, I thought you loved me. God, I thought it was gonna, gonna get better. God, I thought you were gonna solve all my problems. God, I thought when I followed you, you were gonna give me everything that I wanted. And then what you kind of have this, dis, that disorientation moment and then you have this moment of, I just wanna warn you and tell you right now, Following Jesus does not promise you anything practically on the outside, but it does promise to give you a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, and a relationship with the living God. And when what we sang earlier, that's your one thing. But this shows us here, I guarantee you make a spiritual decision against the darkness, expect outward, expect outward opposition. Because the devil will give you whatever you want to get your soul. He even did that with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I own all this. Worship me and I'll give it to you. Devil doesn't care what you own. Devil doesn't care how smart you are. Devil doesn't care how much you got in your 401k. Devil doesn't care how baller you are. He wants your soul and he will bait the hook with whatever he's got to do for you to sell out. And he will make your outward life pleasurable to get your soul. Y'all doing okay? Okay. So, just know when you confront the powers. But at the same time here, I'm just like, what kind of conversation would God and I have? What kind of conversation would you and God have? We were going to pray. We are going to the prayer 
prayer meeting. God, we're one of the 5% of Christians that go to prayer, prayer meetings, like it's bartering with God, you know, and, and, and then he's like, yo, we casted a devil out, and, and then for our repayment, we got put in prison, beat with rods, and accused of breaking the law. What happens when what you expect doesn't happen? I doubt when they were going to prayer, they were like, hey, Silas, get ready, buddy. It's going to be one of them beating with rods days. It's going to be one of those breaking the law days. It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think they expected this to happen when all they were doing was wanting to do good that God told them to do? So really, I say that to say the setup here is that they're in a place they didn't find themselves in. They didn't, they're in a place they didn't expect themselves to be. And some of you, this describes your life right now. Maybe you didn't find this place to be in with your life practically. Maybe you expected to be in a different job with a different spouse, in a different place, a different financial place. And, and, and you just, you literally feel like you are in a somewhat prison. Might not be the inner prison. It might not be a physical prison, but it's an emotional, psychological, spiritual, sexual, financial prison. So the setup here is, is like, hey, how are they going to respond? We're going to pick up, we're going to read nine straight verses. So I always get nervous whenever I read more than like three scriptures in church. So I'm like, people could, you know, get on their phones. Just let's engage God. Let's engage God's word today, okay? This is what it says. It says around midnight. Everyone say midnight. Paul and Silas, oh, well, hold up. We're praying and singing hymns to God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Really? So, so they're, they're in prison for something they, they were just doing good. And their response to that was to, Lord, I, I love you. God, thank you. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Their, their response, their, and I'm going to use this word, weapon, was to worship. Their weapon was to worship. And some of you right now, you've put down the weapon of worship when you are in a place that you didn't expect to be. And you've actually picked up the weapons of blaming, of complaining, of defending, instead of picking up the one that fights in the world that isn't seen. And that's worship. And today, I'm challenging you I want you to see that worship is a weapon that when you find yourself in places in life that you didn't expect to be, when you find yourself in prisons you didn't expect to be in, you have got a weapon. You've got prayer, absolutely. We have direct communication with God. That's one thing that I love. We can come to our Father, it's scripture says, with boldness. We can come to him with boldness. We can come to him like, like a kid comes to his dad that knows his dad loves him, wants the best for him, and there's freedom. You've got that kind of connection. But another weapon is you've got the weapon to lift your hands, lift your voice, lift your gaze, and get it on the God who holds everything in his hands. And it is a weapon that you have. And today, you need to be reminded of that. Because some of you, you've been trying to fight practically, right? So you've been, I'm doing just, you know, all this stuff, and there's not been a breakthrough. Well, maybe, the, maybe you're fighting the wrong way. Our fight isn't against flesh and blood. Maybe the fight needs to be, I need to take this in the spirit. And I need to lift my hands and change the atmosphere in my heart, my mind, and spirit, and in my home. Turn, turn the television off and put on some worship and lift your hands and let the presence of God fill that place. 
I love it, though. They responded with the weapon of worship. But then it says this little detail. It says, and the other prisoners were listening. You will preach no greater sermon in your life than how you respond to when life doesn't treat you fairly. Say, John, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a preacher, man. I'm, I come and sit in my seat. You know, I, you know, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. I agree with that, right? But don't forget the fact that people are watching your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, and people know that whether it's from your Facebook page, you, you, know, you check in at church, or you share a scripture verse from the Bible app, or something, or something like, like that, like the greatest message people will ever listen to and read and see probably won't happen in a place like this. It will be with the life you live. And especially when things don't go the way you had hoped or planned or wanted to, and most of the time, how you respond when you are suffering. That's a sermon. I love here, they're in this dungeon, they're in this dark place, and the way they respond is they respond by worshiping and says that they were listening. They, they said, you know what, this could be a chance, an opportunity for us to actually respond in a way that other people can see. You are, pre- you are a preacher. And, I, and you're like, John, no, but, and, and hear my heart on this. You are a preacher because as a follower of Jesus, you are a carrier of the good news. Like, you, it, like it's kind of, you've been given the baton and said, okay, run, run. And, and you are a, a testimony. You are a living, breathing sermon that people will either respond to in a way that says this is legit or they'll respond in a way that says that was a bunch of, that they just say it. And I'm not saying that we're not all gonna have seasons because I have failed in, in, in this area. Like with my kids, I can tell you how many times I gotta apologize to my kids. I'm like, yeah, you know, man, I said that and that was wrong. You can even preach when you're wrong because your sermon can actually say, I'm not too humble or I'm not too prideful to say I'm sorry. I'm not too prideful to own when I'm wrong. I'm not too prideful to say I got it wrong, please forgive me. That's a sermon in and of itself. But if you have the humility to say I was wrong, that's what I'm saying, whether you are preaching good or preaching, it, it, your life's preaching. What are you preaching? They were listening. Everyone say listening. They were listening. Now, I'm just going to put something in here that I believe of kind of like why Paul and Silas responded this way, of, of why they responded in worship. Because I believe people that respond in worship when life is not fair realize the game is already won. Realizing there are some battles you'll lose as a follower of Jesus, no doubt. But also, too, you've got to be reminded at the, at the end of this book, Christians are funny, man. Christians will fight over when Jesus is coming back, how Jesus is coming back. You know, is, it, is, is, is there really this many plagues? Is, is it pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation? 
all of these things that they try so hard to figure out and nail down. And if that's you, we love you. Keep studying. Keep diving into God's word. But don't forget the fact of no matter what you study, the end of the book is Jesus wins. The end of the book is this, that Jesus wins. And I believe that Paul and Silas could worship in their prison and put their hands up because they knew what the end of the game was. That, yeah, we might lose this battle. We might have got beaten with rods. We might have gotten accused of breaking the, the law, you know, for doing something good. But at the end of the day, we know the end of the story. Because actually, like, just, just think about Paul. Philippians 1. And this actually happened in Philippi, is where this happened at. And then we actually see that Paul, he planted a church in Philippi and then wrote a book of the Bible to the church in Philippi called what? Philippians. And let me show you something that Paul wrote that he probably learned here. Because, you know, scholars say this situation happened in about A.D. 50, 51, 52, and scholars say the book of Philippians was probably written in A.D. 62. So 10 years later, Paul wrote this. Can, can, can you put that up? This is, this is what Paul said. He said, for, to me, living means living for Christ. And dying, it's even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better by far for me. But then right after that, he says, I know God's keeping me here for you, church in Philippi. I believe he probably wrote that because of what he learned here. That he realized at the end of the day, as a follower of Jesus, and I want you to hear this, because some of y'all need, you cannot lose. I don't know if that's good news for somebody. You can't lose. You live, you win. You die, you win. You win. Death is not the end. It's just the beginning because your body's a seed. And once your seed goes in, you get your resurrected life. You get your resurrected body. If you keep living, it's an opportunity to win more for Jesus. Paul's like, I don't know what's better. I could stay. It'd be better for you. Being a little selfish here, I wouldn't mind dying. Like, I guarantee we should not be looking forward to death, but in some ways as a Christ follower, it's not the worst thing that could happen. Where people, we have, we, we have got emotions. When people die, we grieve, we mourn. All of those things. But what if we had a church full of people that literally said, no matter what happens, I can't lose. How would that change our perspectives? How would that change our priorities? How would that change the way we view life's situations, life's prisons, those places we didn't expect to be in? Then we changed it and we said, yeah, but at the end of the day, as a Christian, I can't lose even though it feels like i'm losing it looks like i'm losing everyone thinks i'm losing but the end of the story is jesus wins and if jesus wins you win how would that change us and i believe that as you pick up the weapon and as you worship one of the things that will actually flood onto you is a winning mentality 
Because worship is declaring winning before the battle's done. It's literally saying, thank you for the victory. Thank you that I, that I live by faith and not by sight. Thank you that I don't operate by what I see. I operate by who I know and who's been faithful in the past. Worship is declaring victory. Y'all can clap. Come on. Like, give your boy some encouragement. So, right, so, 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 so here's the thing, right? Their response is worship, and then you see, then you, then, then you see this, right, right after this, there is this next word. Can we, can we go back to this scripture? So it says, and the other prisoners were listening, and then it has this word, suddenly. Suddenly, that's a loaded word. Because one thing it doesn't say is how long the worship was, and then the suddenly happened. And now because we're reading it and it's back-to-back verses, we can something, oh, man, it was, yeah, it was like two, it was like two minutes. <laughs> Lifted their hands, give me, and during the bridge, <laughs> during the bridge, the suddenly happened. And that's typically the way we like it. That's typically the way we want it to happen. God, you got five. After that, I'm going to put my hands down, right, like. And, and, but it doesn't say how long it was. It just says suddenly. This is kind of like going back, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell. It says they were in the upper room praying. doesn't say how long they prayed. But then it said, suddenly. We all want those suddenly moments. Because then it says that suddenly there was a massive earthquake. Shocking. The prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open. And the chain of every prisoner fell off. Jailer woke up to see prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. He was like, yo, if these dudes get free, I'm done. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. So he's telling the prisoner to chill out, or he's telling the guard to chill out. Stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of God with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then everyone in his house was immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And his and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Isn't this a crazy story? Crazy. But that suddenly moment, I, w- I want to talk to you about that time you start to worship in the suddenly. Because what can typically happen in this time is your worship is totally dependent on your breakthrough and how fast you get it. So instead of worshiping and fixing your eyes on the God of the breakthrough, you fix your eyes on the breakthrough. And when you fix your eyes on the breakthrough, you will lose endurance. Because you're putting your faith and trust in, in something you don't have control over. You don't have timing over. But that is why in between the moment of your worship and the suddenly, if you fix your eyes on the God of the breakthrough and realize if the breakthrough doesn't happen, I still got the God of the breakthrough on my side. Because here's the thing. When, when, when the, 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 the greatest thing you can ever get from God isn't his breakthrough. It's him. 
And, and so I'm not saying God doesn't want to bring you breakthrough. I'm not saying God was one, doesn't want to suddenly throw all the walls and you're just free from your emotional and psychological and spiritual and financial and sexual prisons. And God will do it. I believe God will do it. But a breakthrough is not what you serve him for. The greatest breakthrough was him dying on the cross and releasing you from Satan's sin and death when he rose from the dead. That is the greatest breakthrough. And then honestly, this might sound whatever. It's his prerogative whatever breakthroughs happen after that. But I believe as you fix your eyes on him and you worship him not for the breakthrough but as the God of the breakthrough of who he is, as the heart of a father, just as Jesus said, I long to give my kids good things because I'm a good dad, he will overflow and pour out breakthroughs in his way, in his time, in your life. I believe that. And that's something that I'm even praying for in our times of worship, that God would literally take away addictions. That you would walk into this place, and by the power of the Spirit, not because we're worshiping him to get something from him, just worshiping, responding to who he is and what he's done, that the power of God would hit people and renew minds and renew hearts and release addictions and give clarity and perspective. And it would just fill this place where we literally see cancer shrunk, unforgiveness healed as we worship. I believe there will be suddenly moments. But the only way that you'll endure is when you fix your eyes not on the breakthrough, but on the God of the breakthrough. I said it this way. I said this, ordinary worship, or what seems like ordinary worship paves the way for extraordinary breakthrough. And when I say ordinary, I just mean faith, faith. Those that say, God, I'm not here to get anything from you. You are the gift. Help me to see the gift that you are. I'm not trying to get nothing from you, but you're a good dad. You love me. You care for me. You give me a new identity. You give me a new future, a new hope, an eternal home. God, I want you. I don't want nothing else. You are my one thing. And I believe as we focus on the one thing, we're going to see many things happen. Would you believe in prayer with me right now? We're not done with the service, but I just, I literally want to pray for that. I just feel led. I want to pray for that. That in our environments of worship, people that don't know Jesus, they would walk into this place and literally feel such a tangible presence of the power and weight of God that they would not know what to do. And they would just be like, I don't know who this is or what's going on, but I just, I just need it. I need Jesus. Will you pray with me? Jesus. We love you, we thank you. Lord, we invite your power and your presence during our corporate times of worship. Lord, we don't want nothing from you, we want you. We're not seeking the breakthrough, we're seeking you. So God, we ask that as so many come in here in prisons, broken up, shaken up, literally they feel like they are in that dungeon, in that dungeon place, inner dungeon. God, I just pray that they would seek you and God, we're not there for just for the suddenly moments. We're gonna be there faithful. Hands lifted high, hearts lifted up, knowing you are the reward. But God, we will say, we want you to do the suddenly. We want you to do the unexpected. We wanna see physical lives healed, emotional lives healed, addictions broken, unforgiveness released. We wanna see the supernatural power, not so we can brag, but so we can say, look what God has done. Lord, would you fill this place? Would you fill this place and would you do it? You're a good dad. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's the last thing. You see the result of the suddenly moment was the jailer and his whole family 
God saved. You can, you can come up, Jarvis. I got to end this thing, brother. The thing is this, your breakthrough and worship can change someone else's life. You need to share your testimony. Because some of you have had these things happen. You have had these moments happen. And really, what keeps God from sometimes moving around us is simply by the fact we keep our mouth shut. Some of you have seen your relationship with your spouse transform. And you need to tell somebody. It's because of the goodness and grace of God. Some of you have had physical healings happen. You've had, you have had supernatural things happen. You've had breakthroughs happen. And you've kept it to yourself. Those in your circle, they might think you're crazy. They might think you're weird. Can you imagine Paul trying to go and tell this to some of, to say, yo, we were in this prison, bro. And we just started worshiping. And three weeks later, we don't know, four weeks later, it broke off. And the jailer was like, yo, I'm going to kill myself. I was like, no. Like, can you imagine retelling this? But just think about how that would lift the church's faith. So all I'm saying is, man, when God gives you your breakthrough and when he's going to do it, and if he has done it, you need to share. You need to share. Your life's a sermon. It preaches loud. I want to put in your hand today the weapon of worship. Would you stand up with, with me? Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us next Sunday online or in person. For service times, visit lifehousenn.com.